Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Choose Inclusion. This is UBC Mignetti. And as always, I'm here with Nina and Mike. Hello, team. Hey, guys. Hello, hello, hello. We're, we're under a foot of snow randomly in the spring weather. I don't know if uh, you guys got the same in Boulder and North Denver, but it's a oh, little yeah. cold. Yeah, it's wonderful. I love the snow, so I'll take it. It's uh, springtime in the Rockies. Yeah, well, I'm done with it. So just going to put that out there right now. Um, well, we are excited uh, to talk to our guest today, who happens to be the, the Russian Imperial Stout Czar of Cincinnati. Who knew? Um, and we'll talk about that. Uh, but he's also the CEO of Hamilton Demo. And Ivan Demo, uh-oh, I think I just screwed it up. <laughs> Ivan Demosten. There it is. Perfect. Perfect. Yes, there it is. <laughs> Perfect. How are you, man? <laughs> I'm doing great. Great to be with you guys again. I've been looking forward to this for some time. Yeah, because we we really first met, gosh, I think in January, somebody said, and um, it's just already been a crazy fast year. So, but yeah, welcome. So, yeah, what's going on in your life? Tell us, you know, catch us up on where you're at with COVID and, and just, I don't know, how are you doing? Yeah, well, you know, uh, I tell people that... COVID has brought me closer to my family and friends, strangely enough, because we, we're all living on top of each other and uh, just wife, kids, family, uh, we're, all, we're all thriving and doing well. I actually got my second shot, Pfizer shot on Saturday. Oh, me too. Yeah, yes. fantastic. Congrats. You too. So we're all doing well. My kids are, are at school. They've been in school the whole, the entire school year with very few interruptions so really proud and happy for that I, I've uh, I've been able to see the impact that that has on them so that I'm very happy with that and work is going well we're busy uh, we'll see what the rest of the year holds for us but if everything keeps holding like it like it currently looks like we'll do really good this year we'll we'll exceed expectations actually that's I'm uh, I'm I, I so want to talk about your current business. I think it's super important for our our listeners, uh, Ivan, to kind of like how did you get to you know okay cool you're here right like how how did you get here because you know I know you were uh, you're from Haiti you you've got an East Coast you got a spin on the East Coast you ended up in the uh, the Queen City uh, can you tell our, our our listeners a little bit about you know who you are and. Uh, you know, all those impacts along the way that got you to this point. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Definitely, Mike. Thank you for, for remembering our, our conversations before. So uh, my parents came to the United States when I was about six months old. And this was in 1970. And we came to, to the United States by way of New York. So for the first 10 years of my life, I grew up in New York and, you know, I'm a New York Giants fan, New York Yankees fan. I root for the, the Rangers and I uh, love watching the Knicks game from time to time. So a uh, big new, new York sports fan as well. And growing up, had a great up, upbringing and was surrounded really by uh, friends that really resembled the UN nations. I had friends from Greece, Jamaica. Japan, uh, just to name a few few places, but really my neighborhood was was a rainbow 
of people from all over the world. And then when I went to school, it was very similar, different backgrounds. Uh, it was it was a great experience. And as I shared with you, my father, who's a physician, still practicing, by the way, but uh, he decided that he had enough of New York and moved his family to Lima, Ohio. I love I love sharing that story because the the image and visual that you may have of a Haitian family moving to Lima, Ohio in 1980 is exactly what it was. <laughs> we, uh, we were in a beautiful neighborhood, beautiful city with beautiful people, but we stuck out like sore thumbs. And needless to say, there weren't a lot of Haitians living close to us at that time. So, you know, going to school, being in the class where I was uh, one and only, really started making me aware of my surroundings and differences in people. And we didn't call it diversity at the time, but I started appreciating diversity more during that time uh, when we moved to, to uh, Lima, Lima, Ohio. So from there, uh, shortly thereafter, I shouldn't say shortly thereafter, but when I went to college in 87, I started at the University of Cincinnati Go Bearcats. And uh, we, we uh, uh, my parents uh, dropped me off and uh, started my, my life here in Cincinnati. I've been here off and on since 1987. And during that time, after graduating, um, I started off in sales, which was a, a huge eye-opening experience in itself. Learning how to be a professional salesperson, understanding uh, behavior, client behavior, prospect behavior. And I had a chance to work at General Electric. And at the time, GE had uh, made some acquisitions that made uh, them one of the largest or the largest acquisition of its time. They, they acquired several IT companies and resellers for about $25 billion at the time which was the largest ever in the history of the world. And uh, you know, things were going well. I, I had, um, I had uh, turned some eyeballs and made, people, made some people interested in my professional growth. And so I embraced sales as a career for myself. And as chance would have it, um, I ended up in recruiting. I, I, I got a job with CareerBuilder. And that's when things really kind of connected for me personally and career-wise. Because with CareerBuilder, and this was, uh, this was shortly after, a few years after uh, Y2K. And if you remember, everybody was worried about what was going to happen with, with the internet and how things were going to shut down and all this technology. And coming off that, people really just embraced the internet and technology even more, right? Since since the end of the world didn't come, people were people were on board even more. So this gave me an opportunity to go into these wonderful Fortune 500 companies and talk to HR and talent acquisition leaders. And as I built these relationships, uh, they started relying on me and and trusting me as an advisor. And one of the things that they would talk to me about were diversity issues within their, in their organization, equity issues within their organization, uh, inclusion needs 
um, all over their organization, not just locally, but nationally and internationally as well. So that kind of opened, opened a whole new door for me because as I shared with you one day, my boss uh, approached me and, and mentioned that I was the only one who ever went on these meetings talking about diversity. And it was, a, it was kind of a funny moment for me because I looked at him and I had to remind him that I was really the only person of color, not only in the office, but the whole building. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I felt that it was part of who I am and a responsibility to, to share and offer options that would include diversity strategies to the companies that I was talking to. And it worked out well uh, for me. Um, so but, can I ask you a question, Ivan, about that? Um, yeah, sure. You know, because I think we hear that, right? Like, I think um, the, the token person often gets asked or voluntold to step up into a role like that. Um, so so was it like that for you? Or you're, you're saying more it was you, you felt a responsibility, like you you wanted to be that person because yeah, you were there. Very well. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to paint a picture uh, that it wasn't because maybe it was, I don't know. It didn't feel like it, Uh, but I can tell you as as you guys have, you know, experienced already, I'm, I'm usually a pretty enthusiastic person and I just saw the opportunity presented to me, all the great things we could do. And I had a manager who, who was someone I trusted and, and really was, was a pretty good manager. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't want to make it seem that maybe it wasn't because it could have been. I, I was just looking at bigger and greater things, right? And I'm glad I did because, um, you know, from there on, it pretty much uh, has me where I am today. Uh, I've worked with many, many very recognizable uh, companies of international companies, big companies, the biggest of the biggest. And I've had some great stories to share. I've, I've been able to positive, positively impact these organizations in ways that if you would have asked me when I was that 10-year-old kid moving to Lima, if, if you would have told me that was going to happen, I would have, I would have probably sh- uh, shaken my head and, and probably wouldn't have believed you. Right. So it's a, uh, it's been a great ride. And, you know, the, as I shared with you the last few years, after working with career builder, a stint at monster and a company called professional diversity network, uh, I started my own company with my business partner, Sean Hamilton, who, uh, I'd like to uh, mention is an Air Force veteran who I love to thank for his service all the time. And Hamilton Demo is a certified veteran owned business. And we are certified uh, through the uh, Department of Veteran Affairs. And so we're really proud of that because when we started, uh, we really wanted to, it was really important to both of us to have a designation where, you know, we could represent Uh, ourselves uh, in in that light. And, you know, at the time, uh, before pandemic, I thought, you know what, probably, probably uh, certifying ourselves with the VA is a little bit more than we need. Uh, We could probably certify ourselves with a local entity or a regional entity or even a a smaller 
uh, county en entity or chamber of commerce. But um, looking back, it really worked out well for us. So we're really proud to be a certified veteran-owned company uh, certified through the VA. And uh, also, as I shared with you too, the past four years have been quite the ride. We've had some phenomenal or, um, conversations with organizations across the country. We've done some good things. We've built a phenomenal uh, partner uh, network uh, where we've uncovered different opportunities and different ways to do things uh, that we provide to our clients, which, which is really helping us to help attract talent and diverse talent as well. So one of our specialties is in the diversity recruiting space and placement area. Uh, so we like to think that we can help and advise and consult on all things human capital. Uh, but our wheelhouse is definitely definitely in executive search, placement, um, and project work around human capital and recruiting. Uh, so it's been great. And, and even uh, last year, although things did come to a screaming halt in March for, for all of us, including here in Cincinnati, uh, by the end of the year, we were able to meet and exceed our sales goals uh, for 2020. And we're using that, we're using that uh, momentum uh, for 2021. Things are looking, looking good. And as I mentioned before, hoping that uh, we can sustain that to have another good year. I mean, I think it's so interesting that you've been working in this diversity, equity, inclusion space for as long as you have. Because I think there's a lot of folks who've gotten into this practice just over the last couple of years, but you know, you've been doing it for you know, 10 plus 15 years or so. How have you seen, you know, and, and working in really large companies on this stuff, how have you seen the conversations or the work being done by companies around diversity change over the years? Yeah, so Nina, thank, thank you for mentioning that because, um, you know, I never, it was never a plan to get into uh, uh, diversity, um, equity, and inclusion, right? It kind of happened because at my heart, I feel as I'm a salesperson and I'm helping in recruiting, but I've built a lot of trust where, where these leaders would, would call me up and say, hey, they're having problems or there's discussions here. How can I help them? What's, what's some feedback I can give them? So the beacon, as it were, was really calling me in that sense. So I'm really, uh, I'm really glad that that was able to happen for me. It's really made my my life and career um, better in, in that sense. And I will say one of the things that probably hasn't changed or has changed are the conversations. So I like to tell um, people and people around me that these organizations and have some wonderful leaders and talent acquisition leaders within them. And, and really, I believe that they wake up every day trying to figure out how to do what they're doing better. And not only that, how to bring and attain deep diversity into their organization. We've talked all the time for years about having a diverse workplace, how it improves the workplace in so many different areas, including and more importantly, the bottom line. If you compare an organization that is more diverse 
versus one that is not, more often than not, they will benefit from all those things that we mentioned, including uh, the bottom line of being a more profitable uh, organization. So these town acquisition uh, specialists and leaders wake up, or I should say really desire that deep diversity of skills, experiences, et cetera. And what I found from 17 years ago, 18 years ago when I started versus now is that the discussions are happening more frequently. Uh, and they're coming from higher levels than they were before. So that is definitely something that really, that really uh, gets me excited and makes me uh, happy and always happy to have those conversations and discuss what the possibilities are for those organizations uh, that I'm having those conversations with. Now, what hasn't changed, unfortunately, is the perception that it's just a, a, uh, a flip of the switch. Like we can change with everyone's, even with everyone's best intent that this is a, a short journey and it's not a journey. As a matter of fact, it is more, more likely to be a journey that you will never get off the, the path for. Right. It's a it's a commitment. And that journey will take you through uh, dips, winds and bends in the in the path, et cetera, hills and mountains to climb. Uh, but it, for those for those organizations that are committed to that journey, they really, uh, again, benefit and uh, receive all the rewards that they're that they're looking for. I'm, so I hope that I'm, answers your question. Yeah, and I'm, uh, Ivan, I'm, I'm fascinated by, you know, what you're talking about, the, the, you know, when you're, when, you know, once the train has left the station, so to speak, right, like, uh, you know, everything that's gone on, um, can you, can you provide some of your, um, like, like, give us some, some highlights, though, of, you know, you and your, your business partner, and some of the successes, can you talk about, you know, that, and, you know, um, you know, bottom line, you know, what, what this is doing, not only for organizations, but, you know, again, imp improving, if you guys are specializing in executive type searches for organizations, then, you know, obviously your, your, your wheelhouse is diversity, equity, inclusion. Talk about some of the, the, the folks that are, you know, possibly getting a shot at executive type roles that maybe wouldn't have gotten the, the that same shot uh, some years ago. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Mike, thanks. Cause yeah, we're happy to say that we've been able to help in the healthcare field, uh, helping with administrators and even clinicians. Uh, we've also been able to impact in a huge way with um, uh, managers, uh, director level types, salespeople, especially experienced hunters that uh, companies often seek to uh, create and increase revenue. Uh, so I, I tell I tell people in a very simple way without without uh, giving away the secret sauce uh, that hey uh, a hunter knows a hunter 
right? <laughs> There's nothing like the uh, the eyeball test. So we know we know what we're looking for, and we know how to identify them. And as a matter of fact, that's one of the benefits when organizations come to us because we can do some things that maybe they're not set up to do. Uh, I, I like to mention that one of one of the things that keep Hamilton Demo in business and other firms like us is that the world has turned into an automated world, right? So the automation is great on a lot of levels, but for those special types of roles, those unique roles or the, the roles that you're really looking to bring into your organization to make an immediate impact, there's some subtle nuances that autom automation is probably not going to be able to uh, to uh, provide what you need for for that search or to attract that candidate. We can do that. We we uh, we are able to kind of look around corners and under under places and knock on doors that your autom automation process would not allow you to do. We can also attract those passive candidates through our network. Uh, and we've had huge success in, in, in doing that as well. Also, I mentioned to you before, we've been, you know, starting off and, and kind of being open to a lot of things. We've had to think outside the box even more. And we have established some phenomenal relationships with, with um, our partner network. And as a matter of fact, a couple of things I can share with you that I'm really excited about is the last few months, we've really been going to uh, our clients and sharing with them the opportunity to recruit through, through a tried and true me methodology, uh, such as television commercials, that you can get the word out, you can attract those candidates and create that pipeline through your um, uh, pipeline to your career site or to your jobs that you want to, which has been hugely successful. So uh, I dare say here in the near future, if you start seeing more commercials for both small and large companies uh, uh, talking about their opportunities and careers that can be attained within their companies, um, you, that might be that might be Hamilton demo uh, working in the background behind behind the stage. And uh, think of us. Uh, so hopefully you'll you'll be seeing more of that, and we can have a, a role in expanding that opportunity for organizations. Man, you guys, uh, you, <laughs> you have been busy, my friend. <laughs> yeah, every day's busy. I'm telling you, you be you don't even know you don't even know the half of it. <laughs> it's never it's never a dull well, moment. No, and. But, you know, what's interesting, you know, so you've been able to achieve this and why, so why, and you mentioned, you know, I think you mentioned this a little bit, but why is it that organizations can't achieve the same level of diversity recruitment and, and hiring? Like what, what's, what's preventing them and, and how can they start to fix it. You know, I think our audience are always looking for kind of tactical ways of understanding, well, first of all, what's getting in our way and why, and then 
how do we start to dismantle that? Um, because not, I mean, yeah, we'd love everybody to be able to work with you all, but not everybody can or will. And so what, what are some of those steps? Like what's, first of all, what's preventing yeah, um, Honestly, UB, I think if you had, if, if you had deep pockets and you were able to fund a study, I think number one, you really would find, and I think many people will agree with me that the automation is really the leading factor in all of this. And why? Well, automation is not a bad thing, right? As a matter of fact, it's helped companies do more with less and they can, they can um, expand their reach even further and do more things. So automation is not a bad thing at all. But when you look at automation and you see all the good things that it does, companies are reluctant, reluctant to dismantle, modify, or tweak what is perceived as, as working for them or has a level of success, right? So um, I, I think that's number two in the work that, will, that is involved and really committing to diversity. I mentioned before, it's not a flip of the switch, right? You have to kind of realign your, your recruiting strategies to, to achieve those types of goals. As a matter of fact, now you need to have goals, right? So a lot of companies just wanna dive into it and they, 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 they start the process or they get stuck uh, by figuring out how they're even going to provide goals so they can measure their progress, right? So those are often things that really um, hinder, or I should say stop companies in their tracks and provide that apprehension uh, to move forward. Yeah, I am, the, the automation piece I think is absolutely correct, right? Like you can't just turn something on and let it go. Yeah. Uh, you, you just can't, you, you can't take the human connection out of, out of this. It's, it's, it, it, I mean, I guess they sort of understand why, right? They, you, you're trying to do so much with so right. little, so it might just be easier to automate a bunch of those things, but you're automating the wrong things to your point. Like it's, it can be used in the right way, but but if you automate the wrong things, then you're never going to get diverse candidates. <laughs> you're never going to get the right candidates. And, and, and then, you know, it's, it's leadership's going to go, well, why, what, what, why haven't we been able to accomplish this? Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, you be, uh, an example that I'll share with you since, since I have, uh, neighbors cutting down trees and doing a lot of yard work around us. I hope it's not interrupting the, uh, no, we don't hear anything. <laughs> no, you're good. But, uh, you know, uh, in my neighborhood and driving around, I see more of those, uh, lawn, those automatic lawn mowers, those big lawn discs that continually cut your yard. Oh yeah. During the day. Yeah, right. So I, I see automation very similar to that, right? And it's great. As a matter of fact, that that's an opportunity to improve your yard and do do some great things and keep your yard always looking great. But that doesn't mean that you don't that you don't hedge and trim your bushes. You don't take out the, uh, the clippers and, and uh, clip when needed. 
that doesn't mean that you don't do some of the other things in your yard to make your landscaping and your property aesthetically pleasing, right? Beautiful, so as, as it were. So yeah, automation, I think, is great. There's a lot of benefits, uh, but it shouldn't just stop there. And there's still a lot more that these companies can do. Always happy to advise and consult on that. Um, again, it's good for me because then I can come in and uh, provide a service uh, that can uh, uh, that can help and, and make us look good at the same time. I mean, we can't uh, end this podcast without you talking about how you ended up getting involved in a brewery and how you have a stout named after you. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> Nina, thank you so much. It's uh, it, it's one of my my greatest achievements uh, in uh, in my career to have a beer named after me. So it all started uh, at my at my. Uh, kids school and, and church, I uh, became connected with some friends, um, Dr. John Ganim and his brother, Paul Ganim and the Ganim family. And long story short, they've always uh, desired and had this wish to open up a brewery. Well, I happened to be at the right place at the right time and was able to be involved in, uh, in this opportunity and this venture. And uh, they opened uh, Dead Low Brewing in uh, 2019 and to great success and things were going great. It, it actually opened on my birthday, October 10th of uh, 2019, uh, actually my 50th birthday of all things. So I tell people that they, they uh, opened it on that day because of, because of my birthday, they wanted to celebrate it. But uh, between you and I, I, don't, I, I think that was just by chance. <laughs> but um, as uh, time moved on, uh, there was a lot of uh, tasting and testing of future beers. And uh, in um, uh, last year, December 31st of 2020, they launched Crazy Ivan, which is a Russian Imperial Stout. Uh, in my in my honor, and uh, yeah, I I I've loved every moment uh, sharing with friends. And for Nina, I don't know if you have any siblings. I'm sure you be and Mike. If you have brothers, there's no greater feeling in the whole world to call your brother and brag that you have a beer named after you. And he, <laughs> right? There's no there's no other greater feeling. I can't. Yes. <laughs> well, Mike, like, Mike likes to brag that he has a whole brewery named after. Yeah, him. it's on the West Coast. Yeah, the Mike has brewery. It's it's not uh, it's not mine. Uh, but I, and they didn't even give me a free beer when I went there and showed my ID. I'm like, I, I have the same name, and they're like, Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I think you need to try that again, though. You need to go back and and demand that. <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny. Uh, I we did. Uh, <laughs> we did we had a good time there ubaldo didn't we we really did oh, yeah. so that was great great to drink cerveza uh on the beach there but we're looking forward to when we take the uh the show on the road for the choose inclusion coming in uh toasting a beer with you my friend ivan there in the queen city yeah and uh that would be so awesome getting to know you guys has been a pleasure and 
uh, maybe we can even make an event out of it, right? Sit out on the deck. Yes. Have uh, some cameras, some lighting. Uh, I've, uh, Ivan, I've, I've got more of a radio face, dude. So let's, uh, let's skip the whole camera <laughs> thing, okay, bro? Well, it's, That's it's, not true. it's up to you, Mike. But let me tell you, I've, uh, I, I, you're, you're in a good group. So <laughs> you will glow with the, with everyone else around you. Okay, so <laughs> it'll have that halo effect. Huh? No, he's really yes, not exactly. that bad looking. It's a halo effect. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, Ivan, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. Uh, uh, we 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 truly love uh, talking to you know diversity, equity, inclusion leaders uh, globally, and we appreciate you sharing your time and your story uh, with us here on the Choose Inclusion podcast. So, thank you. Oh, my pleasure. And guys. Uh, Please, if you can find it in your schedule, whether later this year, next year, the, whenever, I would love to come back. So please have me back. I think there, with even with all the great things we talked about, there's so much more that um, that we've uncovered in our previous conversations that we can talk about. I'd love to, to chat more with you. That would be awesome. Yeah, thank you so much, Ivan. All right. Well, Choose Inclusion audience, as always, thank you uh, for tuning in and again and again. Um, we'll, we'll be we're around every Friday. So uh, <laughs> keep checking us out. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Nina. And we'll see you all everybody. soon.